On this month of EdTech, we're going to be talking about securing AV, the acquisition of Harmon, the Benjamin Franklin Institute, and flying saucer research. Tune in. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 47, Flying Saucer Research, recorded November 17th, 2016. This is EdTech, your monthly higher ed AV podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell. Today, I'm joined by uh, my fine associate, Mr. Ernie Bailey. Howdy. How do, sir? Glad to see you. Indeed. And I'm also joined by Mr. George Fournier from FSR. How are you? Good to see you all. I'm I'm doing well, sir. Good to see you as well. So um, one of the first things we'll just uh, mention for a minute here is that uh, just this past week, uh, Samsung had acquired um, uh, had acquired uh, Harman. Um, we've, as I say, if anything, uh, a couple of our podcasts, both uh, AV Week and Resi Week, have uh, talked about it quite a bit. Um, I would say on the higher ed side, uh, it seems more like there's going to be some campuses. I think that will be. Uh, a little bit in flux because they use AMX, but for the most part on my side, it's been mostly uh, Samsung is kind of viewed as a uh, consumer grade. Um, there are some commercial grades, but access, but I don't think as much as it would say in the residential and consumer markets. Uh, Ernie, you have any thoughts on that? Well, uh, I agree with what you said. I think we'll see it uh, affect in the residential markets. I don't think we're really going to see any thing on our campus anyway you know um, we use some of Harman's products like you said you know we generally consider Samsung to be a consumer grade for most most products uh, that's not the path we usually take uh, we are a Crestron campus so you know we're not we're not dealing with AMX so we're not going to see that effect there we do use uh, some of their audio products across campus uh, well, and, and yeah, it's one of those things where if, like in my case, the only thing that's really going to affect us is um, we use BSS for our, our DSPs. And it might come down where, um, for all we know, Samsung could look at BSS and say, well, it's not really making us that much money. We're going to spin that off. But right. It's 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 really it's really they're they're collect they've just bought everything and we'll see what what makes money and what doesn't and what stays and what goes. Yeah. So. Um, Mr. Fournier, you have any thoughts on that? Um, you basically hit it on, on the uh, nail on the head there. I mean, I really, what I've seen press-wise from them is um, they seem to be more focused on the automotive um, aspects that they could pick up from it. And I, you really didn't see a whole lot of mention of the AMX or SVSI in, in their, their press. So I'm really curious to see what happens if that is going to get spun off or if they didn't open the box yet and go, ooh, look what else we have. You know, it's yeah. going to be curious to see what, what actually happens with that. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, that being said, if you want to learn more about that, by all means, please look at the uh, AV Week special uh, as well as the Resi Week special. Both of them cover it into far greater detail. So um, that being said, uh, the first article we're going to look at is uh, Infocom teams up with the Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology. Um, now, this is an interesting article because uh, it's the first time I'm at least seeing that Infocom is actually partnering uh, with a higher ed, with a school of higher ed, uh, and as well as they're working in their uh, their CTS um, test in, as part of the course program. Um, Ernie, I'm going to let you talk about this first. Okay. Well, uh, you probably know I've been involved with the Infocom board in the past and a lot of the educational programs. And this is something that has been sought for probably 12 to 15 years, something like this. And there's, there's been discussion of it. And this is the furthest I've ever seen it make it. Uh, you know, over the last few months, I think either last month or two months ago, we actually spoke about them doing this uh, in South America. Mm -hmm. The same type deal, uh, except I believe it might have been going even towards the high school market. Um, I'm excited to see it. I'd like to see a, a certificate program or a degree, you know, maybe an associate's degree come out of something like this um, and then see it spread to uh, other technical schools. Uh, I, you know, I, I'd love to be able to get somebody with uh, some sort of certificate or degree in AV or in presentation technologies or whatever they want to call it. Right. Right. Um, um, I should say this, in the article itself, um, this is part of their computer technology department, and the eventual goal is that it's going to be an associate, uh, essentially an associate in AV. So yeah. it's, 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 a, it's the first start. Is it a bachelor's? No, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah, so, well, even an associate's degree, something you know, we can put on a, uh, or a uh, invitation for uh, new employees. You right. Know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll give you X number of points for having a associate's degree in AV. Right. So and, right and now, there's nothing you really put on there, you know. Right. And even even if you have an associate's program in place, if somebody's getting a, a bachelor's in computer technologies, they could have that as a minor right. uh, in their program, okay. uh, which would be very good. Um, it, I loved seeing this article and the other one that was previous about the um, high school district out in California that was doing it as well. Um, it was just very interesting. It was actually last night. I'm a den leader for Cub Scouts in my town. And one of the kids that's in my class, his father is the STEM teacher at the high school. Mm. And our high school is actually trying to, a lot of the high schools in our county are trying to become magnet schools. So one of the schools in another town is, is more Votech than anything else. Um, our school is trying to establish themselves as a STEM school. Um, and attracting in kids from other districts as well, so they can actually pick which districts they go to, which schools they go to within the within the county. And one of the things we were talking about was I had, met, I had sent this article to him, and I had sent the one previously, and and it's something that um, they actually want to propose to the school district in town to see if it's something that we um, uh, might want to go ahead with at that level for at least showing the kids that there's other avenues available. There's other industries that they don't even think about. 
Yeah, this is this is uh, impressive in the regards of um, before it used to be, well, you have your other manufacturers training, or if you have, say, uh, some Cisco certifications, it's, oh, wow, that's really great. And right. And I'm not knocking that. If anything, it's more it's it's more impressive that it's actually starting to get built in at the collegiate level. Right. And uh, you know, within that, you also end up having things like um, you have the. Uh, there are ways where you can I can see it where uh, you're eventually going to start seeing like you know maybe it may not be immediate, but say uh, like AV like AV math or you know like uh, uh, geometry for for AV which. Is essentially projector training, but still. You know. Well, yeah. hey, that's what that's that's if that's if that's if anything, that's the biggest thing I ever learned from uh, uh, messing with the guys from uh, digital projection uh, was when it came to uh, uh, screen blend or edge blending or screen blending. They're like, oh, it's just straight geometry. They're like, you know, you just you just have to work out the math, and it's, it's like, you know, everyone thinks, oh my gosh, it's so hard. He's like, no, it's just geometry. Right. So. Yeah. No, I mean, exactly. Is is when you look at what's involved in like. In this article, they mentioned they're going to use Quick Start for the AV industry and essentials. Um, that is, those both of those classes are such a broad spectrum um, exposure to everything that it can be done in a quote AV job. So you may have guys who have more of a tendency, or girls also. Don't worry, I'm not trying to <laughs> spec one out over the other. Um, you may have students who actually look at. Um, Hey, you know, project management may be my avenue, or architecturally, um, you know, learning about. Um, they may want to learn more about acoustics or projection, as you said, and it and it just shows that there's a whole other end of it that they can actually um, uh, uh, go on from, and this may be just an oh. entry point to it. You know, they may not yeah. even become an AV centric person, but they they just thought of a whole new avenue to go down. Oh yeah, no. If anything, um, just recently, um, one of the things we ended up having a common ground with was our uh, CODs or Communications Disorders group, and they were the ones who originally came to us saying, "Hey, um, the following classrooms are really too—they're—they're they're too noisy." And our capital plans folks were like, "Oh no, you guys—it's semantics. You know, you, we're not—we're not believing you." And I actually went in and had one of the uh, little handy-dandy smart tools. Uh, on my phone, which was like about five dollars, mm -hmm. and we took a reading, and you know the the noise floor in the room was like sixty decibels, and they're going, no, that's the sound of a regular conversation, and they went, wait, how do you know about noise floors? I'm like, well, it's it's part of the AV stuff and everything. They went, oh my god, they're like, we thought we were the only ones that that, that got into this kind of stuff, but it's a, it's a good common ground, and it's one of those things where. Um, you know, it, it, will it always pop up? No, but you'd be surprised where sometimes the common ground is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so many people use our technology and don't even realize they're using it. Um, yeah. And they don't realize there's a whole, um, yeah, there's a whole industry behind it. And uh, the sooner we can get these guys into it, the, the greater it's going to be down the road. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's an impressive it's a it's a if anything I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, how many students come out of uh, come out of this uh, program initially and everything. So, yeah. Um, so moving on from that, uh, the next one, um, and I the commercials have been kind of popping up here and there, but um, you guys have seen the uh, the new Microsoft uh, Surface Studio, um, which I've gotten to play around with the thing. It's actually pretty cool. Um, uh, and what it is is this, is that uh, essentially 
Um, Microsoft took the all-in-one PC approach. Uh, however, they also started going to making it to where it's uh, you can actually fold and uh, work the the monitor into you know essentially a, a drawing desk. And then on top of that, they also have the uh, dial. Now, what's that mean for higher for higher ed? Is if anything, I'll I'll be surprised if um, if most art departments don't start uh, start re rethinking. Uh, you know how their animation studios are done, and more to the point, also how their uh, drawing and sketch uh, sketch uh, studios go. Um, I would have loved one of these when I was canning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, if anything, George, you of all folks would definitely get a kick out of it uh, because they have, uh, and literally, this is what what Microsoft is calling the thing. It's uh, the tool is called the Dial. Yes, and. And so you can actually like twist, you know, you can actually twist it on the screen, and you can adjust things like tint, hue, uh, line, uh, line thickness, and all that kind of stuff. They they they've pretty much partnered with Adobe on this. Right. Um, so it's go ahead. It was it was um, I watched the video that's attached to the um, to the to the article, um, mm -hmm. and it was really interesting. But it, it's to see the tie-in with what's been going on lately with the Surface commercials. Mm -hmm. Um, you have the um, animators that they were showing who used Surface for their the movie that they put out, and so now imagine if they had this. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a, yeah it's it's a it's a fun one. Uh, Ernie, what do you think? Uh, I don't see a big use for this in the academic health science uh, fields uh, for what we're doing. I mean, we are using some. Uh, touch screens for animation. Uh, I think this are well, not really for animation, but for annotation. Mm -hmm. uh, but for wh what we're seeing in the in the academic, like I said, in the health science classrooms, I don't see a big push for this. Uh, I well, like well, I, we were, uh, saying uh, like George was saying, uh, I'd love to have it for my CAD work here at my desk. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so pushing out the classrooms. This is not something you know I see us using right now. Uh, what yeah, I was I was actually thinking about that last night. Was I don't see this so much on the education and in the classrooms, but think about it medically. Is if you're doing um, high res MRI review, right? You can put that on the screen and actually do the annotations right on the screen, and a doctor can do everything and just say. Well, wait a minute, this thing, and it becomes that, that user interface to the, the drawing, uh, you know, yeah. to, to the image, um, and as opposed to, you know, remembering to use their mouse or they're learning their software or whatever. It's like I could just walk up to the screen and, and start grabbing and touching and moving. Um, right. now, that's, uh, that's where you'll see a big application for it. Probably okay, out, now the thing that, that I'll I'll counter with on this one, Ernie, is um, when it comes to the uh, say like the nurse the nursing um, or some of the uh, when they're doing some of the rounds and everything. Um, do the to say do the faculty use like say a Surface Pro or do they use um, like an iPad or for them it's really more of just here's our clipboard here's our, our sheets and we'll just kind of go off the pen and paper. Stuff. They're they're using an iPad or a Surface but more as a digital clipboard. Okay, uh, mm. I haven't seen any applications like I said where where this could really come into play for what they're doing. Uh, Fair enough. At this yeah. point, I'm not saying you know. Right. This, this uh, may be one of those things that it needs the needs the content to catch up with it. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
And I mean, we've seen that. We've seen, you know, some of our basic AV tools work their way into some of those areas slowly. And, you know, when they come to us and are looking for a solution, we, you know, I know about this so I can present it, but I haven't, no one's presented the problem that this is the solution for yet. Right. Uh, okay. Right. One of the things I was thinking of was actually from a public safety side of it. Um, if the security departments and college campuses had one of these with all their cameras um, and there was a, um, you know, a, God forbid, one of those situations where they had to lock down a building or something like that, you can actually tie all the cameras into this and just be pointing around oh, yeah. and moving uh, very easily. And that interface could actually be, um, you know, save a lot of time and a lot of frustration of uh, real-time updates. Right. And stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if anything, I, as I say, if anything, George, I do appreciate it. You always, you always do kind of come from the, uh, public safety slash, uh, um, uh, general concern. It should also be noted, George is also a, uh, as I say, George, are you, are you still an active firefighter or, um, um I, I was a volunteer firefighter for 31 years. Um, now I've moved over to what is called fire police, um, where we actually do traffic control and scene safety and that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. uh, the body doesn't keep up anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. But in George's case, it is it is very much safety oriented, uh, which can be very much appreciated. Um, the next one actually is uh, is it comes actually from a uh, a friend of ours. Uh, it's uh, Paul Zeely, and it's on specifying a secure AV system. Now, I, I will say this: uh, I previously came from the DoD realm, so I understand about the idea of the secure AV system. However, uh, in Ernie's case, I think there's really more of, there's a lot more that has to do with the um, confidentiality and HIPAA laws exactly. um, more than more than security. So Ernie, I'll, I'll let you uh, talk about that first a little bit more. So okay. well, not everyone understands that. We do. I mean, we've always kind of locked down our systems. You know, our network, you know, we are a hospital, a research institute, and a university. And when it comes to security, we're a hospital first. So everything is locked down on our network mm -hmm. and anything we put on it has to be HIPAA compliant or it can't provide a pathway into anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it's not HIPAA compliant, it can't interfere with HIPAA compliance. George, you have something? No, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to do a little bit of a shameless um, um, uh, product <laughs> plug on that as well is that, um, the HIPAA uh, rules, being from the fire service and EMS service, you know, we're, we're very familiar with them as well. And FSR does collaboration systems, which are hardwired systems. And one of the th conversations we always have with the education market is HIPAA. The second right. you start saying, you can't go wireless if somebody can sit outside and start, you know, start pinging your system and, and downloading your stuff. So you I, instantly when I read this article, that, that was the first word that shot in my head was HIPAA compliance. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. that's, that, that's from my, uh, you know, from my other side, but, uh, well, we do that. you know, we do a lot of video conferencing. We have multiple campuses. Uh, and so we have to make sure that we're secure between them. Right. Uh, and you know, I'm just looking at things like, yes, we changed the default password. Uh, we, we have a default password for some of our stuff, but it changes on a regular basis. Not as often as they force us to change our personal passwords, but if if we lose somebody on any of our teams, passwords change. Uh, things like that. Uh, 
and you know we use encryption and then you know uh, we get into HTTP issues as well uh, when you're going with a secure system. Oh yeah, the, the, what what can you send down it? And... Yeah, it's it's for for us. Um, usually, when I come to uh, our network folks, or, or specifically our network security folks, um, they're always kind of a little hesitant as to, okay, what do you want to put on our network? And I go, listen, this is what it does, and they're still, you know, much like a guard dog, they still got the hackles up and going and. And I go, well, listen, here's the network documentation. Here's exactly the ports we need open. Uh, here's the TCP and UDP. And they go, oh, we can shut everything else down? Yes. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, they, they usually calm down after we, that. They, they fixed that for me unintentionally here on campus. And the, uh, <laughs> they moved me into network engineering. That's so <laughs> I just open my door and say, hey. Hey, how do I do this? There you, there you go. There you go. Um, in, a, in a previous life, I worked for for an um, integrator who was also a UCC integrator. And our drawing packages always had these um, proposal pages, is what I called them, that said, okay, this is our network structure. This is the network structure we're requesting. This is our our MAC addresses that we're going to be providing you. This is what we need. Just as, as Bill said, the stuff that we need to, to get from them to get, start that conversation. So that when they would see the first drawing packages, these were some of the first pages they would get to and they go, Oh, wait a minute. And it would actually trigger that stuff. Now that's, that information would not be captured into those packages later on in case that fell into the wrong hands, but it started that conversation and these, these um, to get them thinking in a different, in, in a different way. And, I, I, and that was about five years ago before, a lot of this stuff started uh, coming up where people were were backdooring their ways into VTC systems and stuff like oh, that. And, uh, yeah. It, um, if anything, I can tell you on this one, uh, this is a personal fun project of mine. Um, our broadcast folks um, bought some some equipments, and it's, it's essentially it's a encoding and decoding uh, little streamer boxes and everything. Um, however. Uh, our campus has gone, uh, you know, our security guys have gone on full lockdown and that they've implemented 8021X uh, authentication, which, you know, from a network standpoint, it's like, okay, that's that's fine. You know, 8021X is essentially, you know, here's your authentication. It's, you know, essentially the network equivalent of, you know, here's my passport and here, here are my papers. Uh, I am who I am. Well, uh, the company that they bought all this stuff from, uh, I asked, I kicked back the question to him. I said, hey, do you guys do uh, 8021X authentication? And they went, oh, yeah, no, it does 8021 uh, uh, wireless. And I went, that's good, guys. That's not what I was asking for. And so we're going through a painful process right now to where uh, our firewall and security guys, for the most part, are kind of you know taking the MAC addresses and making uh, an exception, uh, have to make a, essentially a whitelist across campus, which... It, it, you know, can it be done? Yes. Is it uh, the most um, progress, the most forward of things? No. But it's one of those things we have to, get, you know, th we need to get the stuff on the network. But it's just a matter of, you know, I'm trying to tell folks, listen, we're we're on the network. We have to kind of play by their rules. As much as as cool as the stuff is, you we can't leave it to where uh, the box is going to leave us open for a DDO, DDoS uh, attack. Not that not that William Patterson is is rocking the boat anywhere or uh, causing major enemies, except maybe in the jazz program. But you know they're international. But uh, it's you know, you, you have to at least make sure that, that these devices are not the reason why uh, a network goes down. 
Right. You know, it's right. it's just one of those security uh, or security focused things. Yeah, I remember. So, uh, I remember a couple of years ago it was wireless keyboards. The USB mm-hmm. key that you were putting in was yeah. a was actually a key capture, and uh, yep. there was a, there was a, uh, a Trojan horse that would just sleep there and sit there and wait, and they would then you could they could activate it, catch all your keystrokes, catch your passwords, catch all everything coming off of it. And everyone's like, yeah, oh, it, but it says Logitech on it, or it says so-and-so on it. It's like, yeah, but what you did with it or who you bought it from, you don't know what they put to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun one in that uh, in, a, in a previous life, um, there were times where if you uh, unplugged a flat, took a, a flash thumb drive and put it on one network and plugged into the other, you could go to jail for that. Mm-hmm. These days, these days, it really turns more into Bill. Don't ever do that again. That was very bad. And I go, "Am I going to jail?" They're like, "No." I'm like, oh, "Okay then." <laughs> but, but on that on that flip side, though, and Ernie can definitely uh, attest to this far more than I can. Um, with uh, HIP, with HIPAA compliance, it's not "Don't do that ever again." It's listen, you you get that was strike one. Right. There is no strike two. Yeah, Ernie, am I am I close with that? You are, and I mean there are fines for even putting a thumb drive in some computers, and you know in the clinical spaces. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, there may be a fine, or there may be dismissal, or yeah, other consequences. Yeah, yeah there was a um, uh, crazy glue incident at a hospital near me. Who they went around and wanted to make sure that. Uh, that nobody could do that, so they went around and crazy glued little USB ports yeah. closed, so that they uh, they could not be uh, accessed unattended. <laughs> right. Well, uh, no, we uh, do have some systems that require an encrypted thumb drive. Uh, if you plug a non-encrypted one in, it will shut down the port, mm-hmm. uh, or you know notify the HIPAA compliance office, and so, uh, you know a compliance officer will show up in your office within two or three minutes and take it away from you. Good times. Nice. The, uh, the the closest that uh, I ever came to that was with uh, Lockheed Martin. Uh, they had to come up with this thing called uh, Iron uh, Iron Key, and uh, essentially it was an encrypted flash drive that only Lockheed that you can only get done at a uh, at a uh, uh, Lockheed service center. Which the closest one for me was Morristown, not Morristown, Morristown. Um, <laughs> And now, luckily, I was over at McGuire, which is about maybe like it's a twenty-minute drive, but still, it's a twenty-minute drive that you don't have to do. And through the swamps you, of Jersey. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyways, the the trick was that if you if you lost the password uh, to the USB drive, you had to take it over to the service center, and they then essentially plugged it into a specific uh, drive that went and just nuked everything. The the thing yeah. was there was no back there was no backdoor passwords. If you had like you know your your resume and the project files and everything else on there, sorry, it's done. You, yeah. you can't get it back. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, um, things will ever get to that level. However, you know, in Ernie's case, it is a well, you know, you lost like it. It's one of those things of oh, you plugged in a non-encrypted device. Yes, here you go. Here's the compliance, uh, the compliance officer, and nothing strikes fear quicker into the uh, into the hearts of the DoD world or by the sounds of it, the medical field, as hearing the words "you are not in compliance." Yes. <laughs> so, 
you know, it's it's uh, it's the the fun world of, uh, of of security. But if anything, just going back to the original article, I appreciate uh, Paul's uh, work on all this, mostly because uh, him and I actually uh, work together at uh, McGuire for some of these things. So uh, it's good to see that you know, th there is more of an emphasis of security within AV. Um, I know Paul is trying to work up some of that, some of the AMX stuff to, you know, well beyond the two-factor two authentication, uh, as well as, you know, them using common access cards for uh, certificates and authentication, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, do we, I think, go ahead. Now, a couple of months ago, we had the, the IoT Infocom um, conference in New York, and, uh, mm -hmm. Mr. Schrego joined us for that. There was a quite an extensive uh, conversation on the security of this stuff as we go forward, and it, and it's refreshing to see that it's it's not a oh yeah we forgot security. It's uh, okay we got to do security. Yeah. And yeah. It's 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 one of those uh, fun ones where uh, the back of my brain is still. Um, uh, going to be uh, scared to this day as to I'm waiting whether or not hackers are going to hold my uh, my my downstairs uh, fridge uh, full of uh, adult beverages for ransom. So <laughs> that's what motivates me on these things. Anyway, yeah. um, so we are coming to a close here. Uh, Mr. Ernie Bailey, do you have any final uh, remarks or uh, where folks can find you? I don't know about any final remarks. You can usually find me uh, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, so check me out there, occasionally post stuff. Fair enough. Uh, Mr. Fournier, where can, yes. uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about uh, all this uh, fun conversation topics as well? Uh, where can folks find you at? can find me on the Twitterverse at, uh, at George V. Fournier, because I wanted to make that easy Twitter handle for everybody to find. Uh, you can also follow FSR at FSR underscore INC. Um, and which is also fsrinc.com for the website. Um, you have to make sure you put the ink in there because if you go to fsr.org, you wind up at the Flying Saucer Research Lab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there uh, a photo of Art Bell there? <laughs> and I believe it's <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, that's where you can find us on the interwebs. Uh, Fair enough. All right. Uh, uh, I'm Bill O'Donnell. You can find me uh, on LinkedIn uh, as well as Twitter under uh, the original OD. Um, those are the two quickest ways to find me. Um, and uh, that is it. We will call it a week. Uh, we will see you guys next month. <laughs>